G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to Off The Tee, our third episode. And like every week, there is just so much to talk about in the wonderful world of golf. The former world number 16, only man to beat Tiger twice. Record two, zip. Nick Ahern. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. It's great to be here talking more golf. It certainly is. Last week, we were still on a high uh, coming down and not really wanting to after Cam Smith's heroics. 150th uh, staging of the Open Championship and uh, plenty still to talk about with, with Cam Smith and, and, and what's next for him and his name continuing to still be linked. We live. The celebrations were epic. Every time I seemed to look at a golfing news story, it was him and somebody else drinking from the Claret <laughs> Jug. So uh, it's done a fair tour, uh, the Claret Jug. And, and the, the Jug itself seems to have had a ripping time. Oh, the jug's just getting everything poured into it from what I've heard. I think uh, Cam said something like, yep, we've had a lot more than beer in there. I'm sure there's been margaritas, a bit of wine, a bit of uh, mm. liquor and so forth. It's uh, it's doing the rounds, that's for sure. It certainly is. But this week we get to start off uh, top of the uh, the agenda. So the fifth women's major, this is one of two LET majors, uh, co-sanctioned by the LPGA. But the Evian Championship uh, was staged at its home, Evian Les now, your French should be better than mine. No, it's not. Darling. It's not? Hank, <laughs> so, as well-travelled as you are. Yeah. Mercy and we, that's all I know. <laughs> Evian Labanes in France Sounds is where it's right. staged uh, every year. Canadian Brooke Henderson uh, wins her second major, um, and even 71 to finish at 17 under. Uh, a one-shot win over the US rookie Sophie Schubert. Um a million dollars, uh, mm. the purse. So uh, one of the richer tournaments, as you'd expect it to be for a major, albeit the fifth major uh, in women's golf. Um, you were across this over the weekend. What did you make of the tournament? It's an interesting major, I guess you would say, in the fact that uh, you don't actually sometimes get some of the best players going to it. I mean, Lexi Thompson didn't even go, which is she's obviously one of the top five players in the world, and she didn't even head across. So it's interesting in that regard. However... We think it's one of the majors because last year Minji Lee mm-hmm. won her first major there, which is an incredible achievement. Obviously won the U.S. Women's Open since. So I watched uh, a lot of the highlights and I watched some of the live golf as well. Brooke Henderson basically had the control, the control of the tournament all the way through. She opened with 264s. She just had that wire-to-wire look about her. And then heading into the last round, she had the lead and decided to just give it up. I mean, a few bogeys early yeah. on and, and really struggled on that front nine. And as it turned out, about seven players shared the lead on the back nine at one stage. And the lead throughout the day changed about 13 times. Now, she was playing with Sophia Schubert, who you mentioned. Now, she's a rookie mm. on the on the uh, LPGA Tour in the US. So, so not a lot of experience there, but, gee, she played well. I mean, it was an amazing round of golf from her. And as it turned out... Brooke Henderson came good on the back nine. She made birdies on, I think, on uh, 15 and mm. 17. And then on the last, she actually hit like a, a pull hook into the trees, got really lucky, hit a golf cart, hit a, hit a golf path, and hit not, a tree, and then it bounced back. At the ri- and ricocheted around yeah. like a pinball, and it could have gone anywhere. 
Could have gone anywhere, exactly. And But that's that's the sort of break that you need, right? And it bounced back towards the fairway in the rough. She wedged it out. Mm. Schubert missed the, missed, the green, missed, the, missed the fairway just by that much on her last tee shot. And then that, her putt. The birdie putt. I know. Yeah, the putt in the group before. Oh. Uh, it was just incredible, wasn't it? So that was actually to take. Missed well, by an inch. Yeah, she had the clubhouse lead. And now Henderson had a 10-footer for the win. One of her, I guess you wouldn't call it a strength, is her putting. But she had putted well all week. And guess what? She had that 10-footer and knocked it in dead center for her second major championship. Just an amazing comeback given the way the whole day eventuated. Mm. And the thing is, people don't realize this. She's only 24 years old. I, th- I thought she was about 28, 29. It's incredible yeah. the experience she has. 2016, I think it was, that she won her first major. Um, for the Aussies, Hannah Green tied for 31st along with Steph Kiriakou. Um they earn, uh, it was around 46K US, mm. so it's a good day um, or a good uh, four days at the office for them. Uh, Minji Lee was looking to become the first Aussie since Kari, 2000-2001, uh, I think it was, to go back-to-back. Back. Uh, she finished tied for 43rd, uh, 40, 43rd at three under. Sarah Kemp was the uh, the other Aussie to make the cut, tied for 54th. Sue O oh, um, missed the cut. Uh, but uh, some good showings uh, by the Australians. But we've we've had you know Minji Lee in form, Hannah Green in form, um, Lydia Ko, uh, the Kiwi, had a was just two shots back. Five players tied for third. That's how tie. Mm. That's how tie to finish this was. Five players tied for third. Yeah, as I say on that back nine, there was seven players tied for the lead at one point. But Sarah Kemp actually, she had a really good first two days. Shot 67, 69 was right up there. But the weekend sort of mm. got away from her and she slipped down the field pretty quick. I was uh, the, the player that I had circled coming into this, Nick Ahern, was Maya Stark, young Swede. Swedish golf is as strong as any region on earth. Swedish women's golf is, you know, is it, it has been strong for a long time. We'll speak about the great Annika Sorenstrom in, in, uh, in just a moment. Um, she didn't make the cut. Um, I had her circled. I've been <laughs> she when she won at Bonville, the women's classic. Um, we were watching her and just has. And a, a phenomenal game. Like, it looks like a big-time game, aggressive player, long off the tee, um, sublime on the short irons. Uh, but it's just a name to watch for, yeah, I, for the upcoming. Have you – has her name crossed your path? Very much so, yeah, yeah. I've kept an eye on her, as you say, just a great all-round game. Really yeah. no weaknesses there. And another player I think I had my eye on as well was Lynn Grant. I mean, she – she won a big tournament uh, a little while ago, and the ball striking clinic she put mm. on was just amazing. So, but all throughout the women's game, uh, you've got some outstanding talent, and it was good to see actually Jin Young Ko up there as well. Uh, she's had a bit of a rough trouble, you know, a couple of years. It was a name we saw up at the top around the world rankings, especially for a long time, and and she had a nice solid week herself. So, there's so much talent in that women's game, and it was great to see uh, great to see Brooke capture her second major. So up next for the women uh, on the LET Tour, the Scottish Open, and then the week after that, the Women's Open um, at, at Muirfield. The whole idea of this show, Off the Tee, we're covering everything throughout the world of golf. We want your engagement in it too. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a question for Nick Ahern, if you've got uh, a comment you'd like to make on anything to do with golf, the platform is open for you, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can text us, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Of course, Nick Ahern's tip... Uh, will be at the end of the show to finish it out. So make sure you've got your, your, your pens and pencils ready for that. If you've got a question for him, of course, get yourself involved ahead of time. The other segment we're going to add this week is what's in the bag. So I've noticed that this is something, Nick, that uh, my very good friends at Callaway mm. have been putting up on their social media pages of recent times where they go into their pro's bag and just find little bits and pieces that for the uh, for the 
for the weekend golfer or, or the midweek golfer, just some little tools of the trade that you might want to put in your bag because for you never know when it might come in handy. So we're going to do that with you this week. What's in your bag? And uh, this week, without giving it away, the weather mm. is going to be uh, central to that. Definitely at the moment item. in Melbourne. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we've got a heap coming up uh, as well, but we'd love you to be involved with us. Um, the senior open. So is it just me or is there more and more attention, more and more money, um, more and more hype coming around the senior events at the moment? Are you feeling like there's a, a bit of an uplift? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, you've got, every year you've got some great players, you know, turning 50, Yeah, basically. So you've got all these, almost the next generation. The guy who's led the way for so long now is Bernard Langer. I mean, he's, he just doesn't seem as though he ages, that guy. He's 64 years old and he's breaking his age and mm. just winning tournaments still left, right and centre, which has been amazing. But the standout the last couple of years has been New Zealander Steve Orker. I mean, he's had an absolute second coming, basically, in his career where he didn't do much, you know, on, on the PGA Tour over in the US. He played a lot on the secondary tours, but he, he managed to qualify and get in some events over there and he's leading the money list. He's won $2.3 million. Mm. It's just been an incredible second career for him. So after the uh, the Open Championship with Cam Smith uh, winning, uh, the Senior Open, as his first story, Darren Clark, fourth person in history to win not only the Open, but the Senior Open. Um, Gary Player, Bob Charles, and Tom Watson That's were the nice other uh, are the other three. Um, <laughs> and he had a win at Glen Eagles uh, over the weekend. Um, a last hole birdie to clinch it. Yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? A good mate of mine, Peter O'Malley, went over to play in it because uh, he won the Scottish Open there many years ago in the 90s. And he and now here's a story for you. He, on this golf course at Glen Eagles, he hmm. was seven under for the last five holes to win the Scottish Open. Just think about that. Seven under for the last five. So that's three birdies and two eagles. <laughs> How's that for a finish? Unfortunately, Pom, as his uh, nickname is for Peter O'Malley, Pom uh, didn't get it done this week. He had actually, yeah, actually pretty much a solid week. You know, he mm. finished in 20th position, which is which is a, a nice result for him. Aussie Stewart Appleby finished 19th, which was nice as well. But, you know, the, the showdown in that last day, they had a two-hour rain delay, so it went on a little bit longer than what I'm mm. sure a lot of them were hoping for, but it was a bit of a, I guess, uh, Clarkie had, a, you know, he, he, he led during that last round. He sort of had things under control. And then out of nowhere comes Padraig Harrington shooting a back nine 30, six birdies on the back nine, almost did what Pom did. And that meant that Clarkie had to birdie the last hole. And in par five, which is very reachable, knocked it just short, putted it up to about three feet and he got it done. So he added the senior open championship to the other claret jug that he has. So I guess you could say he's got two claret jugs. Mm-hmm. The first one came in 2011 at Royal St. George's, and now he's in that elite group, as you say, of four players. Were you telling me off air that Padraig would have been the fourth? It, it's either of those guys? Either of those guys, yeah. <laughs> wow. Padraig, he won in 2008 and 2009. And speaking of uh, senior tour, on the LPGA, Kari Webb, the seven-time major winner, uh, one of our greatest ever. How's this for a throwback? 20 years ago, the, the, the rivalry in golf was Kari Webb, Annika Sorenstrom. Uh, those two duked it out uh, again on the final day. Kari uh, with his four-stroke win in the end at Kansas for the Senior LPGA Championship. Um, that that had all the feelings. That had all the feels, as the kids say, uh, about it. It certainly did. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's any secret. I don't think those two get along all that well, you know, th- throughout their career. So they uh, might have, maybe, you know, you know there there's, might have been a little bit of tension there, but I'm sure they're good friends now. But, you yeah. know, when you're in the heat of battle back then, especially, I think 
maybe Annika might have taken over the number one spot in the world from Curry at one point, or it might have been vice versa. I can't remember. But when you talk about those two players, they're Hall of Famers. Annika's won uh, 10 majors in her career. Curry's won seven majors. Curry's 47. So when you think of senior events, you think of 50 and over. But on the ladies' uh, senior PGA tours, it's 45 and over. So that's nice that she's able to play that, obviously. And, and, you know, in her own words, it was interesting. I was reading some of her comments afterwards because it wasn't televised, unfortunately. She said, I wasn't used to playing with adrenaline. Isn't that an interesting thing to think about? Mm. Because... You know, when you there's tournament golf and then there's social golf, and Kari hasn't played a lot of tournament golf over the last few years. We all know that, but she has popped up here and there. But you know, when you're under the pump and you've got that adrenaline flowing through you, you've actually got to allow for that in tournament golf, which is something that if you're not doing it week in, week out, it's very hard to get used to. We're going to be speaking more about the Aussies abroad as we're going to try and update you on uh, how all the Australians are going in all the various tours as best we can. Uh, on Off the Tee, Sam Hargraves, Nick Ahern with you. Uh, Jason's from a very good part of the world. Um, the heart of Victoria is Bendigo. Uh, Jason, hello, mates. Hi, boys. How are you going tonight? Oh, we're well, thank you. Excellent. That's good. Great show. I love it. I didn't even know it was on. So this is, I'm a mad golf head. But Tell your friends, I play. Tell your friends. I'm a member. They're good. Oh, oh well, don't you worry. Um, I remember at uh, Nyanga Park Golf Club in Bendigo, our well. number one royal. I do. Yep. Good yep. track. So Lucas Herbert hails from our shores and uh, he's been putting in a fantastic showing lately. He's and I just wanted to shout out to him and, and say how much of a nice guy he is when he comes back to town. He, you know, has a beer with people. He sits down. He's not righteous. He's just a, a nice young bloke. And I think he's getting uh, the just desserts for uh, for a lot of hard work on his game. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, now, Lucas is a ripping young bloke. I've, I've had the fortune to play uh, with him at the Australian PGA a few years ago there, Jason. And, oh. and I'll tell you what. Uh, I'd never played with him, and the talent was just unbelievable. I think he started birdie, birdie, eagle, and I thought, yeah, this guy can play some good golf here. <laughs> so he was an outstanding young man. The thing that impressed me most was, um, you know, all the questions he was asking uh, after the round, which is great, not during the round, obviously, but but after the round. And, and he had a real um, sense of, um, you know, he had had that sense of what golf's all about, and I guess he, he was tapping into a bit of history and so forth, just picking my brain in that sense because I'm much older than he is, but... My goodness, he's strong and talented and just a fantastic young man, as you say. That's really good to hear because he's a lovely guy. He came back, uh, what was it, about four months ago, and he had an old set of hickory-shafted sticks, and he played our course, and he shot four under oh, with hickory shafts. Wow, that's incredible. And, and heads the size of your fist. So there's an immense talent there, and he just loves the game of golf. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud to say he's from the Anger Park. Well, you should be, Jace. As a fellow Bendigonian, I'm uh, with you. Always happy to toot the horn Legend. of any any other person from Bendigo that's doing well in the world. But I think you're right. What One of the things that is very evident with Lucas is, and, and I've got friends of mine that know him and play golf with him. Jace, you'd probably yep. know uh, Bear Williams out there at uh, Nianga, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yes, everyone knows Bear. Everyone knows Bear. <laughs> uh, what the great things about Lucas is that when he does come back, he likes to give back. So whether that be to junior golf, and we know that he's going to be donating uh, money to, to golf development pathways uh, around uh, regional Victoria, which is really exciting. He always plays um, back at Nianga. Um, the good news is, I don't know if you know this, Jace, but he has said that he'll come back and play this summer. So for uh, the major events of the Australian Summer, the Australian Open and the Oz PGA, uh, Lucas is locked and loaded. I did read that, and I sent him a message on Messenger saying it's fantastic, and he responded um, saying thanks, and he's, he's looking forward to coming home. But if I could just say one thing, I used tonight for the first time my R10 Garmin, 
Um, and if anyone's thinking about getting some sort of a rangefinder out there for their game, mm. this is fantastic. It is amazing. To give you some good feedback, I'm, I'm a frustrated two marker. I just can't get below two. So I'm, I'm trying all I can to try and break that barrier. And the R10 Garmin, fantastic. Interesting uh, when someone's the frustrated <laughs> two marker. Um, hey, it sounds like a pretty good problem to have, Jace. Now, if I could recommend one thing for you, if you do want to get yourself, uh, if you do want to get yourself under that two, have you gone out and yes. got Nick Ahern's book yet? Actually, no, I don't. And I've loved his career, his swing. Why is it that left-handers look so much more comfortable than all of us on righties? It's just, it's not fair. Like, but yeah, look, if I didn't even well. wasn't aware you had a book. Yeah, got a, got a new one out called How to Play Your Best Golf, Jason. So if you want to get down to scratch, I reckon that, that'll be the secret to unlocking that for you. So uh, I hope... Well, I'll hope... tell you what, mate. I'll buy it. <laughs> Done. It. <laughs> Jason, I'll tell you what. If you go out and grab that and we will get your number, you let us know when you've got it. I'll arrange for Nick to sign yep. it for you. How about that? That's amazing. Thanks, guys. I no, appreciate it. Great show. All, all I want you to do, all I want you to do in advance is messenger Lucas and tell him to come on our show. <laughs> I will. Yeah, okay. Beautiful. I'll see what he says. There we go. Deal done. Uh, Jace, uh, Jordan will get your details uh, off air. Um, when you've got that Thanks, book, uh, they'll give you an email uh, to just email us and let us know that you've got it. Um, I'll even get them to give you yep. my email. Um, email us, let us know that you've got it. I'll organise for Nick to sign it for you, mate. And you're always welcome at the anger and you've come up. We'll show you around. I'm sure Bear will. No, he will. I, I, it's the course I play most when uh, I'm back home, mate. So uh, I, I love that place. And we'll, Great. Uh, thanks for your call. Thanks, Jason. Good on you, boys. Take care. Now, one three hundred seven three six seven three six to call. Plenty more to go through in the world of golf. Tony Finau's win at the 3M Open, the Kazoo Classic. We've mentioned Lucas Herbert. Cam Smith might be back for the Australian summer uh, as well. And there's plenty making news uh, in terms of what's going on in live golf. Uh, this is Off the Tee on SEN. Welcome back to Off the Tee. Sam Hargraves, Nick Ahern. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to get yourself involved in off the tee. Nick, we're going through what's making news around the world in golf, and it's just fortuitous that as we look up at the moment, uh, we're seeing the highlights of the three M, the three M Open in Minnesota at TPC Twin Cities. Uh, Tony Finau, who. Uh, Tell me your impressions of Tony Finau, world number 17. So he's, uh, just for those who aren't aware, it's his third uh, PGA title. Um, a three-shot win over South Korean uh, Im Sung Jai, or Jay. Um, Scott Piercy will talk about major capitulation in that. Uh, a $1.95 million, that's Australian dollar payday for Tony Finau. We'll talk about how he did it in just a moment, Nick, but... He's a golfer that I'm. My eye is always drawn to. Yeah, he's got that something about him, hasn't he? He's yep. got that that X factor, so to speak. But he's an interesting one. I actually played with him in a Web.com event many, many years ago, towards the end of my career, start of his career. And I'd heard about this young guy that hit the ball a long way. I hit driver off the first tee. He hit three wood, and he had me by about fifty. I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness, this guy's long. But he's a bit of an enigma in a way because he plays so well week in, week out that he. He doesn't win more. Everyone's saying, why don't you win more? Why don't you win more? Mm. But he just has that game which, um, you know, he's going to shoot low numbers, but he's also shot himself in the foot a few times uh, yeah. coming in on the back nine on Sundays in tournaments. However, he has shot great rounds, 64, 65 last rounds, and hasn't won. It's just someone's played better than him. It was brought up after this that he's got a, a that reputation and, and the stats that say that multiple times the bride's made. Mm. Um, so this is just his third LPGA win. He he's such a stylish 
player, always dresses immaculately, bit of swagger, quite a suave uh, character, um, and and a player who looks um, just very good for golf. Oh, he is, yeah. He loves doing those rap videos in his car. He's yes. driving to the course as well. He's 32 years old, has five kids. I mean, that's impressive in itself, five <laughs> kids at 32. But the the guy that really had the tournament in his hands was Scott Piercy. You yeah. know, he, he'd almost led wide away. On the Saturday round, he was an in, I don't know if you watched any of the golf, but he was hitting shots and then taking his shoe off because he had a blister on his left heel. And he'd be walking down the fairway with one shoe, put the shoe back on, hit the ball, and then take it off again. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever yeah. seen. Can't really retire hurt with a blister, can you? <laughs> Especially after what Tiger's been able to come back from. You you just need to stick it out these days. Yeah, exactly. But Scott appears he got off to a nice start. He had a four-shot lead starting the day. He was, I think he was five ahead through seven or eight yes. holes in the final round. The last 11 holes, he was seven over par. So bogeys on eight, nine, and 11. Yep. And this is where it all came unstuck, though. 13, 14, 15, he dropped five shots in three holes. Yeah. yeah Triple no. bogey, bogey, bogey. He was a bit unlucky. He hit it in a fairway bunker, which plugged in the face, couldn't get it out, then hit it in the water, triple bogey, and basically the tournament for him was done. And then it was up to up to Tony to finish it off. It was interesting. He was playing the last couple of holes. He had a four-shot lead, and on 17, he flies the green. He got It's a par three. Yeah. He got water all the way left. Yes. Everyone's saying just hit it right, hit it right. He goes straight over the flag, hits the grandstand, kicks back, almost goes back in the water. It's like a foot from the water's edge, makes his par, so he's still got his four-shot lead somehow. Yeah. How it hung on <laughs> in that rough grass. It was almost like one of those uh, – remember those uh, balls – that came with the two Velcro pads. You'd, mm. you'd have one on your hand and, so, and you'd just throw the ball back and forth and catch it on the pad. It felt like one of those grip ball, I think they were called. It just it looked for all money like it was going in. Well, they, they grow the rough up around the greens in the US, so he was pretty lucky there Wasn't in that he? regard. Um, but... Birdie's on 14, 15, 16. That's where, I mean, th- that's where he, he got the win. Yeah, well, I mean, Piercy obviously did him a favour, but then he... He really came came clutch on that on that back nine, rolling in some beautiful putts, striking the ball well. But he kind of melted down a bit at the end. I mean, with that seventeen, he got away with one on eighteen. Mm. He's got a four shot lead. It's a par five. There's water all the way up the right side. Just hit iron off the tee is what I was thinking. He pulls out driver and says, "No, I'm going to have a crack." Knocks it in the water, and then all of a sudden you're going, "Hang on, this might still be on here." But he played it smart from mm. there, and he ended up making bogey, and, and he won by three. One of the segments we might end up doing um, on this show, if there's if we could, if we feel like there's enough movies, is uh, <laughs> golf movie review. But it did have shades. I mean, it wasn't to the extent of, but your mind just goes to Tin Cup. Oh yeah, it just goes to Costnut. Give me another ball, another ball. Yeah, I mean, want to take on the water? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Faldo was uh, the commentator doing the doing the coverage, and he was just scratching his head watching all this yeah. unfold. But uh, he got the job done. He got the win. He got the trophy and got yep. the. What was it? One point nine uh, Australian. One point nine five Australian. Yes, yeah. so I think about one point three um, US. And we're going to talk about the money side of things in a moment uh, with Liv. But for the Aussies, uh, a fair few uh, that mm. were playing in this. Cam Davis, the the best placed of them, tied to sixteenth. Um, you had a couple of others. Uh, yeah, Cam Aaron, Percy was yep. tied twenty six. Uh, Cam Davis, you know, you said tied sixteen. He's he's playing some solid golf. He was mm. tied six the other week as well. So Aaron Badley, who I haven't actually seen Aaron's name for a little while, tied fit forty ninth. Jason Day was in there, but backing up the field at tied sixty fourth, and then yeah. Greg Chalmers tied seventy. Now Daniel Gale, actually, who's been a regular on our Australian tour events, yes. he played his first PGA tour event, which is fantastic for him over there. I'm yeah. not actually sure how he got in, whether he pre-qualified or something like that, but uh, unfortunately he missed the cut. But it commentated was a... uh, his win South Wales Open, and uh, he won the second event. I'm fairly sure mm-hmm. it was of that, and and really impressive in difficult conditions. Um, and remember, 
speaking at the time about his game and the, the whether he had enough, whether, well, pardon the pun, but clubs in the bag, <laughs> so to speak, to, to, to make it. But when you've watched him play, what's your impression of him? He's a bit of a grinder, which is which yeah. is great. You know, he he really fully commits to every golf shot. The, there's no, um, you know, there's no let up in a sense. So I really like that about him, and that he gets the most out of his game. He's not going to give up or but just bag it in. Basically, mm. he's and he had an outstanding Australian season, I think. And to yeah. see him actually get a start in a PGA Tour event, that'll just do his confidence wonders. And hopefully, he can get some more and maybe kick on over there. Uh, just before we head to the break and, and come back and and do as. We are going to have to do um, for the foreseeable future, and that's talk live golf. Um, the Kazoo Classic, which is the English Open, formerly known as the, the English Open. Uh, Richie Ramsey, the one-shot win at 13-under from uh, England's uh, Paul Waring. Waring? Waring. Uh, Waring. Uh, Scotland's Richie Ramsey, uh, the winner of the Kazoo. Yeah, it's played at the Hillside Golf Course, which is near Liverpool. They have some uh, open championship qualifying around Hillside from time to time. I hear it's a beautiful golf course. Never played there myself, but uh, you had the local favourite. Yeah, Paul Waring, he finished runner-up to Richie. It was an interesting back nine again. The overnight leader was Julien Guerreri. Guerreri, I think. Uh, I think he's a Frenchman. I'm not actually quite sure. So your French really isn't any good, is it? It's horrific, yeah. (laughs) But he had that lead again on the back nine, and then just a few bogeys coming in. He sort of made a mess of 17 when him and Richie were tied. And uh, Richie made birdie. He made bogey. And... It was great to see Richie win again because about I think it was in May at the British Masters at the Belfry where they used to hold the Ryder Cup, mm. Richie double bogeyed the last hole to lose the golf tournament. So he's obviously got those memories in the back of his mind. And yep. in this case, he needs to make par to win the golf tournament because Paul Waring's already in the clubhouse. Hits a nice tee shot, little in the rough, comes up short, and all of a sudden he's got to get up and down from the front of the green. He ends up putting it up to about eight feet, and he makes the putt. And the emotion he showed was just, you could just see him. Everything came out of that moment. I mean, it was one of the hardest fist pumps I've ever seen. It was just great to see for him to get his fourth win on the DP World Tour. Uh, this is Off the Tee on SEN. We'd love you to get involved. one 736 is the number to call. If you've got a question for the former world number 16, Nick Ahern, or you've got uh, something that you've seen in the world of golf that you wanted to have a chat about, if you've got a view on the Live Tour and where it's at and what it's doing to golf, one 736 Still to come, Aussies abroad, how our Aussies are tracking in the various tours around the world. Uh, what's in the bag? New segment starting this week. Uh, and our tip from Nick. Uh, the book is How to Play Your Best Golf, uh, and we'll get a free little sample of it uh, before we finish out the show. Uh, this is Off the Tee. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, coming up, uh, the free tips from Nick Ahern. How to play your best golf is the name of the book, and we'll give you a little sample uh, of the advice from the former world number 16 before we finish up the show. Um, Aussies abroad, we've pretty much covered off most of it, Nick, but um, we mentioned earlier, and this is a really good news story and exciting for the Australian golf summer. Um, it's been a couple of tough years for Australian golf, uh, as we know, in the summer uh, with COVID having um, uh, put paid to several tournaments being able to be run, much which some of those raise the ire of <laughs> many in the golfing world. But back with a vengeance this year, so it's looking like Australian Open and the Australian PGA will go ahead in Melbourne and Brisbane, respectively. Um, Lucas Herbert, the world number 49, who tied for 15th just recently at the Open Championship, he's confirmed that he'll come back for the summer to play. And, and there's a, a, a belief, not, not 
uh, totally locked in yet that, that Cam Smith may also come back to yeah, play got, the Australian summer. He, he's definitely saying he's coming back to visit family and all that. Mm. And, and what I read into a, an interview that I saw him do the other day was, oh, yeah, I think I'll, I'd like to come down and play a couple of events as well, which basically yeah. means the Aussie PGA, which he's won twice, I think, from memory, and the Australian Open. And that will just add so much to our local tour. And, and with the Aussie Open especially, you know, for the first time being, uh, what do you call it, a, a both-gender event with the male and, mm. and men and women playing together, uh, in the same tournament. We're going to be at Kingston Heath and Victoria Golf Clubs. That's going to be a massive event because if we can get Minji Lee and Hannah Green playing mm. as well and Cam Smith, I mean, the major winners of Australian golf playing down here. The, I two, mean, top, the two number twos. Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Now, explain to me, what was this event that Cam Smith played with Billy Horschel in Greater Jacksonville? <laughs> um the Kingfish Tournament. What is this? I just saw a picture of it on social media myself. So, yeah, and he was standing there with some sort of, uh, what was it, a couple of uh, blue marlin, not blue marlin, but uh, some sort of big fish. And uh, I think it was 49 pound and they came tied sixth, I believe. So it was a fishing tournament, not an actual golf tournament, because I heard he, he came sixth in another event. By the way, I saw a breakdown of the year that Cam Smith's had, and this is a nice way to transition into the world of live golf, which there's always multiple updates on. According to a story that I read today, Cam Smith, and it didn't say whether this was in US or Australian dollars. I think it was in US, but his 2022 so far has netted him uh, over $9 million. That's not bad, is it? Pretty darn good. That works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, And obviously after the Open Championship, you know, the, the the question in the in the press conference, which didn't go down too well, was no. uh, <laughs> fair uh, to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, what are you going to do now? You're going to go play to live golf, and rumours around uh, mm. what you're doing. And he obviously left it up to his management team and that sort of thing. But it's all the story, isn't it? Question off the text from Andy and Kilo Reese, which you can answer for us, Nick. Hey, mm. Nick, uh, and you can answer it because it is addressed to you. Uh, how does the golf ranking system work with players going to live golf? Are their scores recognised? Uh, the short answer is no. Mm. Uh, the Official World Golf ranking points are not allocated to Live Golf tournaments at the moment. So they have applied. Live Golf has applied for world ranking points for their tournaments, but that process does take some time. Uh, It's probably about a a one-year process. So maybe sometime next year, if it's approved, they will get world ranking points. Now, the issues that are going to come up, are: it's a limited field event. There's no cut. And, uh, you know, there's 48 players. And it's a shotgun start. So... They're not real qualifications for world ranking points. I mean, no. the Champions Tour, they play 54 whole events and they don't get any world ranking points. So they haven't got a lot of things going for them in that regard. However, if they do get world ranking points, it's still a long way off. So these players that are, for instance, in the top 30 or 40 in the world that are on the Live Tour, they're going to be well outside the top 50 in, in a few months because history shows that Phil, Mick- Phil Mickelson, when he had that five months off, remember when he may have mm. said, possibly some wrong things about the, uh, the, the Saudi government and whatnot. Uh, his ranking went from about 34 in the world to 84 in five months. Tiger Woods, when he had those two years off, his world ranking went from about 80 or 90 in the world to 900 in the world. So you drop like a stone, basically. So all those players are going to be outside the top 50 very shortly. It's also going to have uh, big impacts on Fed Cup um, and, and how they choose their team for Fed Cup. Ryder Cup, rankings uh, play a part. Mm. Uh, in those. Yeah, the um, President's Cup. Pre- sorry, sorry, President's yeah. Cup. Um, You're talking tennis for a second. Yeah, what did I say Fed <laughs> Cup for? I've just been listening to the first serve with Maybe. BP last night. Um, <laughs> President's Cup, apologies. Um, so rankings are going to come into play there. Their third event is happening um, from the 29th. 
mm. at the Trump National Golf Club um, in Bedminster, which is in New Jersey. So as always, controversy follows this Rebel Tour. Um, this tournament's going to be no exception. Um, the victims of uh, 9-11 group, 9-11 Families United, are going to be speaking out uh, at a venue quite close to the event about this event being held in New Jersey. They're going to hold a press conference nearby. They're going to uh, present documentation that they believe shows Saudi involvement, which the Saudi government has always denied in 9-11. Um, they deem it to be uh, as offensive uh, a tournament to the people of New Jersey as you could stage there. And it's been said that this is probably the worst place you could hold a live event, given Mm. that 750 of the 3,000 victims of 9-11 were from New Jersey. And uh, their belief that, as they're going to say at this press conference, rightly or wrongly, that uh, the the Saudis were involved. So there's going to be a protest and there's going to be press conferences speaking out against this tournament. Um, and it wouldn't be a live tour without controversy, basically. Yeah. yeah. And you've got this at a Donald Trump golf course and, you know, that just adds fuel yep. to the fire, basically. I mean, earlier, I believe, I think it was last week, he said, look, all the pro golfers just take the money. That's what they should be doing right now. And obviously he's a very controversial figure himself. And, and with all this going on and the protests, which I completely understand, we're in for you know, one heck of a, a week in that regard. And you mentioned the Ryder Cup earlier. I mean, the big news in that sense was... Their captain, Henrik Stenson, yep. just signed with Live Golf. I mean, that is gone. That's kind of beyond me, to be honest. I, I I know Henrik well, and I was really surprised by that because the Ryder Cup means so much to these players. It really does. And was that a was that a not a bluff, but was that essentially a raise? I'll raise you, <laughs> DP Tour. I, I'm going to sign with this, and I dare you to kick me off the mm. Ryder Cup captaincy. And they called it. Well, he definitely leveraged the the Ryder Cup captaincy to get a lot more millions of dollars in his bank account. That's for sure. So, and it it's a bit disappointing to be honest in 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 that regard because the Ryder Cup captaincy means so much to these players. It really does. I mean, that's that's well, one of those things you just can't put on the resume unless you are nominated by everyone to be the captain. You can't go out and win it. That's for sure. It's just got to be a nominated thing, and it and it holds a lot of prestige and a lot of a lot of the former. Captains and players are, are very, very upset right now with that. Sergio Garcia um, is maybe having second thoughts about closing the door on the DP Tour totally. He's left the PGA Tour, as we know, one of the original defectors. Um, he's done an interview with ESPN saying uh, that he's had conversations with John Rahm and some of the other European players at the Open. And he now is starting to think more and more about... Um, qualification for Ryder Cup and what he might need to do, given that the DP Tour hasn't completely shut the door on the live golfers. They've banned them from some events, not all. From what we're, And it's a f- pretty fluid situation at the moment. Um, so they've fined a couple here and there, but it's not as... Ad- they're not, they haven't been as, as, as concrete. It's not like the doors at the end of Get Smart. I mean, it's... Yeah, it is still ajar. It's so still to, slightly ajar. Yeah, I mean they they've put a they had an appeal. Uh, some of the live players like Poulter and, and Westwood and those mm. players to to play the Scottish Open. They got a stay put on that appeal so that they were able to compete and play. Now, what events they're allowed to play, I don't really know. And then you had other players that are playing the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour saying, okay. If you want to go over there and play, you go there and play. Now, don't come in here and have you an, another bite of the cake and eat it as well. I mean, we've got our tour. You've got yours. Go play, etc. Now, Sergio, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what he's thinking there. I mean, he's going to have to play some good golf to get on the team to start off with. He might be more of a captain's pick than an automatic qualification because I don't think he's playing that great a golf at the moment. Obviously, he's the actual leading singles points getter 
in Ryder Cup history. Yeah. So he's got he's got a good record. Now, whether they want him on the team, that's another story. Now, we're running out of time. I want to leave plenty of time for your tip at the end and for you to tell us a little bit about what's in the bag. We might have to just bring this up and then and then maybe come back with it next week because it's a very big conversation to have. But LPGA Commissioner, and this is not about Charles Barkley, possibly joining Clifton, <laughs> by the way. LPGA Commissioner, uh, Molly Marku Saman, uh, Saman, if I've mispronounced that, I apologise, says that she would listen to Greg Norman about the possibility of the LPGA joining Liv. Um, Norman said that 100% the Liv wants women's golf. When you look at the fact that women's pay is a fair way off, majors that now, I mean, Minji won $2 million, um, $1 million for the Evian. That was still less than what Tony Finau won for the 3M. Um, do you see that this is a possibility? Would you, does, does it, do you look at the landscape and think, it wouldn't surprise me? No. Well, nothing does anymore. I mean, and as each week goes on here, it just, there's almost no, you know, you don't get a surprise because you think, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that happening. But in the beginning, I was actually a little interested. I thought, okay, they've got 48 players in their mm. fields. Why don't they have 12 women players? You know, take 36 guys, 48, and, and they can make up uh, a, Especially player, it's a player in golf. each team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Three men, one, one, one female player. Yeah. And I think that would have been a very interesting way to do it. Now, the interesting part about all this is the social aspects of... Course, of yep females playing, you know, in Saudi Arabia and things like that. Yep. So the because of women the, the treatment country, of women, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So I can definitely see this as, as something that they're targeting in the future. Who knows? I just think at the moment, and without getting too political, but at the moment, when, and, and, it, and you're right to raise that as what would might be an objection from women on the LPGA tour, but their commissioner is saying she'd be open to the conversation, that in the U.S. at the moment, after the Supreme Court's overturned Roe v. Wade, without wanting to speak on behalf of women, but my feeling is looking at the way that the response has been to that, they're not quite feeling like they're being treated as first-class citizens in their own country right about now. So it is a very, very um, tense time. And it's, I think there's a lot to play out in this space. We'll have to put a pin in that and have that conversation for another day because we want to give you enough time to give us your tip for the week. Uh, and the new segment, What's in Nick's Bag? Um, a little bit of equipment that might you might be able to help you when you're getting around the course this weekend. That's uh, all up next on Off The Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. New segment on Off The Tee, what's in the bag? Nick Ahern is going to just delve into one of the pockets uh, of his golf bag and find a little piece of equipment that might help you uh, in your weekend round this week. Nick Ahern? Well, I can tell you right now, with the weather going around Australia at the moment, mm. all this rain, especially I mean, here in Melbourne, up in Sydney and Queensland, something that has come very much in handy is the wet weather gloves. Now, I, I never used to use these things, but Footjoy do these great gloves where you can actually wear them on both hands. And the wetter they get, the stickier they get. So you can hold onto your golf clubs. You don't have to worry about a dry grip. And that's, that's the hardest thing in wet weather is to keep your hands and the club dry. Brilliant. I love them. Brilliant. What are they? Wet weather gloves. Wet weather gloves, yeah. Footjoy make a great. I'm sure all the companies do, but uh, my favourite's Footjoy, obviously. That's mm. who I've used my whole career. And, uh, and they, they're black. So you, you, know that you know they're wet weather gloves because they're black because all gloves are mostly white. Yep. I'm sure you can get different colours, but that's uh, that's what I use. I'll see if Callaway makes some of those. Uh, now, <laughs> how to play your best golf tips from a strategies from a tour pro. Nick Ahern, your new book is out now. 
What's your tip for us for this week? Well, I mean, I would have loved to have delved into the putting last week with Camps this, but we went a bit more strategy given it was the Open Championships. I'm going to go back to that putting tip that I wanted to talk about. Now, if you watch Cam Smith play the Open, one of the things was, and it came up in a press conference, they said, what do you think about when you're putting? He says, oh, not a lot. I don't take a practice stroke. But my last look at the, at the hole, I really visualise and see the ball going in the hole, and then I bring my eyes back to the ball and I start the stroke. So there's not a lot of thinking going on there. And that's really important when you're over the putt. So part of that has to do with how you read the putt as well. You have to get a good picture in your mind as to what the break is. Now, some people love to sort of see a high point in the, in the break. They might pick a spot out that, you know, if it's a three-foot right-to-left break, they might pick a high point out there and a spot they want to putt to. I'm more of a seeing the entire line of the putt. Now, don't pick a thin line out either because the hole is four and a quarter inches wide. See a shaded line. If you see the graphics on TV, you know, the putt's going in at different speeds. This, this shaded line changes shape as it goes along depending on the speed you hit it. So see more of a shaded line on the speed that you want to hit the putt. But as you're over the ball, get into that real uh, visualisation focus of that last look up, seeing the ball going along this line and then dropping in because the best putters in the world, they're artistic, they're feeling, they're seeing things. They're not being like a scientist or very robotic. You don't see any of the best putters being robots. They're artists like uh, Brad Faxon, um, Ben Crenshaw, Tiger Woods and of course our own Cam Smith. So get into that creative visual side when you're over the ball, see the line and then once your eyes come back to the ball, start your stroke immediately and trust your instincts. Brilliantly done. And, and just as we finish up, is one of the biggest mistakes we make on longer putts, taking much bigger backswings mm. and drawbacks on our putt when we don't actually need to do it because it totally throws off the line uh, of the club coming through. Well, one of the things I, th- I see with a lot of amateur golfers these days is they take the same length backswing and then they just change their follow-through. They either hit it harder or softer depending on the length of the putt. So I'd love people, and this is a tip maybe for another time, we can do it today, but I'd love for people to take the backswing and the follow-through, make them the same speed, and then just change the length. So longer putt, you're going to have a longer backswing. Shorter putt, you're going to have a shorter backswing. But try and keep the tempo, the rhythm to the stroke, the same back and through. Beautifully done. Nick Ahern, how to play your best golf strategies from a tour pro. We'll see you next week, mate. All right, Sam. Looking forward to it. That's it from Off The Tee. If you missed anything, it's all up on the podcast page, sen.com.au. Future Stars is up next on SEN. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.